Hey, Martin, do you like Martin? I do like Martin. What was your favorite episode of Martin? I like the one where Martin, Martin the Martin. Okay, do you like Steve Martin? He's okay. Do you like Martin Lawrence? That's yeah. what I was asking. That's Yeah, yeah Carter sounds like, did you know who we were talking about? <laughs> I wasn't sure. Did they have Martin Lawrence in Canada? I, I don't know if he ever came to Canada, but I was aware of his existence in Canada. Hey, Mar- hey, hey Marcus, you like movies? Not as much as I like Julia Binoche. But, but she's but, in movies. But to like movies is to like Juliet Binoche. Fair enough. She's mostly known for her amazing parts in cinema. This like is, Dan in real life. Which we've talked about. It's not that bad of a movie, and she's delightful in it. This sure. is this is Zebras in America, a a a podcast about Martin Lawrence and Lawrence of Arabia. We are we are recording live from the Dorothy and Louis B. Cullman Center. Uh, in the New York Public Library for the for Forming Arts at Lincoln Center, because Martin Martin is here, but he didn't go to see a movie with us. Marcus and I went to. We were at the New York Film Festival, and we went to see a movie with Juliette Binoche called "Let the Sunshine" in the new Claire Denis movie. Yes. What do you have to say about it, Marcus? I, like, I liked it, and it was weird in a conventional way, if that makes any sense. Like it was like it had traditional tropes. But it had a lot of Claire Denis-isms in it, as, as it should. So I like that. Imagine, a, you know, a, a Claire Denis rom-com, heavy on the Claire Denis, not so much on the rom-com. Yeah, I told my friend that it was like if Claire Denis made uh, Harry Met Sally remake or something. I, I endorse that. I endorse that. And so it's like, yeah, it's her most, like, normal movie, which makes it a very weird movie. It's her straight story. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> straight story, as much as people say, you know... Because it's a Disney film, a PG Disney film that David Lynch directed. Yeah, but it's one of his that, master strokes. It's one of his masterpieces. But there's also some weird stuff in that movie, too. T- totally. You know? No, this movie is, like, really <coughs> funny, and, but also, like, really sad. I'm yes. a little bummed. We saw it, like, 30 minutes ago. Okay, I'm glad you said that. I'm a little bummed myself. Because there's just certain things that, like... I'm not going to say I relate to, but certain things that, like, oh, I, I, I know that very much. Even though, age-wise... We're not where these characters are yet. We're all in our 30s. Yeah, we're about 20 years away from this. Sure. This sure. could be us if we make some poor choices. Yes. Do you like Claire Denis, Martin? I do. I think not as much as Marcus. He's like the real Claire Denis fan. No one likes his. Claire Denis <laughs> as much as Marcus, except yeah, probably yeah, Claire yeah. Denis' mom. <laughs> I think she's a great filmmaker. She really is. Yeah. I really like this movie. I, As I was saying to you, I thought the, the ending of the movie was in such a weird way. I kind of want to talk about it, but I don't know. I mean, you what can, do you we, think? We can talk it's about your it. call. Like, yes. We, we won't ever, say uh, because the, the conversation itself is important. We're not going to get too much in the conversation what's said. I will say it's very Robert Altman-esque, for one, because there's an important conversation going on and the credits roll to the as side. The conversation of it, as the conversation is happening. is happening. And all the credits okay. happen as like the last conversation of the movie happens. And I think, I hope more movies use this space because yes. I think it's, I was like, oh, this is brilliant. I've never saw this, I've never saw this like it, you know? And it was, it was so awesome. And for someone like, just so people know, maybe now, but for Claire Denis, in term, like, like in France, she doesn't always get the love that people would think in her own home country. So for her to get these two actors specifically, um, whatever, they're, they're on, they're in IMDb. It's, it's Juliette Binoche and Gerard Depardieu who are two powerhouses of modern French cinema. Yeah, they're French. You know they're I mean? Fran- They're probably France's, uh, you know, treasures, acting sure. treasures. Sure. One, one when they both uh, 
and they've done quite a bit of work in American film too. One had a slightly better career. One did my father the hero. But wow, um, you know. <laughs> but hey, you know they're both how, legends and, 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 and icons. Yeah, how many people get to be a Three Musketeer and Christopher Columbus? Oh my God. and in Bye Bye Monkey. And <laughs> about Three Musketeers. Yeah, oh, no, man. It's not Three Musketeers. He was in. It was uh, Men in the Iron Mask. No, Gerard Depardieu. He was Gerard Depardieu. Iron Mask. Yes, but he was also in. I could have Scott. He was, Gerard, Gerard Depardieu. I thought was in. There was an iteration. Was of three in the Disney Three Musketeers. No, uh, no, he's in uh, Men in the Iron Mask. I'm positive. That, that I agree Oh, yeah. shit, that, that you're I, right. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was an addition to. So who who was in the Disney Three Musketeers where, if you remember, there was an amazing music video with Canada's own Brian Adams, right. um, Rod Stewart, and I think Sting. And it's all for love and it's all for one. I'm trying to think. Okay, so... Uh, that's the Jared Oliver Depp Platt one, right? Played, yeah. Oliver Platt played Porthos. Okay. Oh, that's oh. right. Tim yeah. Curry, Rebecca DeMornay, might be yeah. one of the same one. That's yes, cast, yes. Though. Gerard Depardieu was in Man, was Man in the Iron Mask. In fact, spoiler alert, I think he was Man in the Iron Mask's father or Gabriel Byrne was. It wasn't. I thought it was Gerard Depardieu was the father. One, Yeah. No. It was Gabriel not. Byrne who was the father of the Man in the Iron Mask? All I remember was... I don't remember. Did y'all see that... In that college, we watched that movie, and we were kind of drunk, and we were just laughing hysterically at the part towards the end when Leonardo DiCaprio was running around with the mask on his head, and yeah. it was very uncomfortable, and we were just dying at that. That's the only thing I remember. Did y'all see, like, the weird Wushu uh, Three Musketeer movie? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. The Musketeer with uh, Tim Roth? Yeah. 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 Well, what about uh, The Brotherhood of the Wolf? Oh, that movie's all right. Uh, that wasn't was what that I expected. Canadian, was I, that a Canadian? Was that a Canadian? It was uh, for French just French. Yeah. 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 There were some that Belgian was, actors in it, but it was also... I think that was, was pretty know. big in Canada, like especially... With, with like, Bonanna Way. That was... I remember right? like, for a while people Thank had you. Like, the poster he's the, and He's the Native American sidekick guy. Yeah, and every Bonanna time I tell him, yeah, he was in... Uh, only the Strong Only the Strong. He was also the crow in the Crow television show. Yes, he was. And he's also the host of Iron Chef America. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, man. Well, with the with that movie, we're getting closer to to the movie you know that we just saw because that features uh, there, there's a lot of crossover. You have Vincent Cassell, yeah, um, Monica Bellucci, other like French you know speaking, powerhouses. Speaking of Vincent Cassell, it looks like they finally got the green light to make the Eastern Promises sequel. Is Cronenberg still going to be he, involved? That I don't know. Oh, I didn't it's know. It's called about like that. Blood Cross or something like that, huh. and they're going to go to Russia. Right, remember, I'm excited. Uh, they're trying to they're trying to remake like Godfather two. Huh. I'm not I, opposed to that. I, I didn't think I, I, I didn't I, mind if like like I really like Eastern Promises a lot. I wouldn't mind if they did get a new director in or like just to get a different perspective going on because like I I don't know about like Cronenberg's recent films and recent interests and like that. Eastern Promises is kind of like the last one that I really loved by him. Uh, but That's like he fair. talked a little bit about the sequel. I, I saw him do like a live talk. He said they were doing research, like how how much easier it is to do research these days because of the internet. Like right. how you can like you know Google image search the exact roads and villages. And you know he said normally like in the past you would have had to actually fly over right. with a location scout and do research like in person. But now it, it sort of makes it easier to do the writing and to kind of plan it out. But I, I wasn't sure if he was still involved or not. No, I just read it somewhere on like a clickbait site. Like oh, sequels okay. you wouldn't expect that are actually happening. Sure. You won't believe number four. And I didn't. I didn't believe number four, but I don't remember what it was. I was like, what? They're not making a sequel to that. Some movies, like, 
I, I don't know. This might lead into Blade Runner, but it's well, like, I was about. I was. I, was, I had a sentence <laughs> oh, prepared that you stole well, from you me. Go, go for the you, segue. You, I, you motherfucker! Oh my God, <laughs> what have I done? No, you've done uh, nothing wrong. I just, I just, I think it's fun to call people motherfuckers. <laughs> I guess it is. Um, no, but like Blade Runner, I was like super skeptical, like really, really hardline skeptical that it should. Wait, have is a there sequel. a Blade Runner sequel? <laughs> the, uh, apparently. What's it called? Um, the new Blade Runner. The Blade new Blade Runner. Runner. Uh, 2049. 2049. Yeah. Oh! Which, um, oh, I saw that yesterday. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I, I thought it was funny because, like, there's the Wong Kar Wai film, uh, 2046. So like, sure. it reminded me of that a little bit, just having the number in the it's title. It's an interquel. Um, uh, in a way. 2046 is, is a sequel it, it to Blade Runner sort of in its own way. Well, it, it's sort of a... And pulling snippets from its original movie and putting it into this, just yeah, like Wong Kar Wai did with In the Mood for Love and, and, and all that like, stuff. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Meets, yeah. meets Blade Runner. Cause, um, what about, did you see a movie Franklin? Um, I don't think so. Okay. That might not even Is be the like name. Is that like the atheist sci-fi futuristic movie? Or am I completely off? Whoa. No, stop. What's an atheist futuristic sci-fi movie? There, there was like some dystopia like atheist movie and it had like a, like a title like Franklin or something like that. Or like not, maybe not Franklin because you're giving me this look, but like no, I'm it was thinking, like a person's name and it was just like a dystopia where it's like, oh, like they're coming to kill the atheists. But. No, but that sounds great. I, please find out what movie I, that I, is. I don't know if it was great. No, I'm, but, I, you know, uh -oh, sometimes, you know, like, it, yeah, yeah it's, oh, what was that terrible movie with Zach Galifianakis that was kind of like a sci-fi movie? Visioneers. Visioneers. Yeah. That wasn't that good. No, it, it wasn't. It came out years ago, and then when it got popular, like all these streaming sites started putting it out, which is what what people do. I get it, but um, yeah, it was not good. It was one of those like it insisted upon itself. Like it tried to be um, very like I don't even know what the term is. It 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 tried to be good when it was. It tried wasn't. to be good when it was. It tried to be better than like we're gonna be a sci-fi movie, but we're gonna like tone down the sci-fi element, and it just ended up being like a boring kind of like. I'm going to say it, hip, hipster type sci-fi movie, honestly. Yeah, it's like you're afraid of the genre that you're working in, and then you end up making, like, like sort of like a, a Dark Tower, where it's like, let's shy away from some of the fantasy elements, and then you're like, oh, well, this movie's not so good but when you take that away. that approach, when that works, it works so well. Like, then you get Stalker, you know? So, like, sometimes Explain. it works. Well, Stalker, it's like sci-fi without the sci-fi stuff. Like I, I think that's movies just straight up sci-fi. I, I don't know. It's so stripped thing. down of like all the production stuff. Like it's like you know he's not interested in like the high concept science fiction elements. He's interested in themes of uh, faith and sort of a more human kind of uh, experience where the sci-fi becomes allegorical. Like you know uh, Solaris is kind of where that started because I know when he was adapting that Dennis Loveland didn't didn't like that he was pulling out more of the sci-fi elements in his adaptation Tarkovsky so he was like you know why don't you set the whole thing on earth and Tarkovsky thought that was like a fantastic idea so Lem's like no no like you have to talk about it but like like that movie you know it's uh, from a book that's very much about like the limits of our communication our abilities to communicate with other intelligent life and it's about like the alienness of this other entity this being but then you know Tarkovsky's approach uses the planet Solaris like it's inscrutability for like the inscrutability of God and it's sure. like you know is it punishing him is it trying to 
forgive him? Like, what, you know, was it, what is it doing by sending these uh, visitors? It, like, you know, it becomes this whole other thing, and then it becomes another thing again in uh, Soderbergh's hands. But like, I think more of a what, love story in Soderbergh's. More of, like, no, it's, well, a, it's totally a love story in Soderbergh's, mm -hmm. which is an excellent movie. Everybody knows uh, that. Yeah. What's well, no, they don't. I know, but I'm is, saying everyone does. All right, you know, well, he uses the like. Everyone knows uh, it. I like that. The limits of understanding the planet. The, the living entity on this planet for like the limits of understanding a relationship and like to me in the Soderbergh version what I really like is like that being that's created the visitor like that's not his wife like the, you know it makes that point pretty clear right. it's a being created from his memory of his wife so like the way she doesn't add up the way she's like an irrational entity it's because like he never really understood his wife <laughs> yeah uh, yeah like it's like in contact or event horizon Little well, Invent Horizon I think owes a lot to Solaris, like the whole idea. Except it's like just we're gonna play it up for for horror, but like the Sam Neill character is very much like the the lead in Solaris, where his wife died, and he's going to this space station. So also the thing about all the yeah. all, every Tarkovsky movie could have been a horror movie. I mean, some of them are terrifying anyway. Sure, like, <laughs> but I'm just saying like you could you yeah. like if you if you wanted to, you can go there. Event mm -hmm. Horizon take Solaris to its horrific conclusion right it's, and it's, I, th uh, I think that movie yeah I mean I'm pretty sure you like that movie because I know you I like do. Paul W.S. Yeah. Anderson the better Paul Anderson mm -hmm. I love that movie I was getting ready to say with Stalker 2 the most early the most sci-fi thing about that is the soundtrack yeah sure. specifically when they enter the zone there's like sci-fi kind of like doo, 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 doo. <laughs> that's, that's true and, and, and that's you know, and, I really I dig it and if I may I think what's nice is that sci-fi has just gone to many places where sci-fi isn't the only genre in sci-fi there's different sure. types of sci-fi oh, thousand percent. so so like a movie like our beloved uncle boon me mm -hmm. that that's a sci-fi movie yeah i've said that i i, I, yeah, I stand I by that. That. that but like, it's also an art house film. It up, but it's that way when i watched it but i can see how somebody would interpret it that way i like saw it sort of when i saw it i was like this yeah. is this is like this is what i want sci-fi to be from now on you know, Cemetery of Splendor is even more sci-fi. Yeah, that one's more science fiction. Like, sure. Uncle Bunmi, I took it more like, a, you know, the sort of spiritual elements or supernatural things that we kind of take as being mythological. Like, it, it just took it so literally. Yes. Which, like, I really like that approach. Because or, like, let's say it's called sci-fi fantasy. Like, Post-Tenebris sure. Lux right. has, like, sci-fi fantasy elements to it, right? And that's very similar to Uncle Bunmi. And that's a movie that I, I, got, I got put onto because of because of this podcast and that's yeah PCP Hodorowski <laughs> maybe have you ever smoked PCP? I have not <laughs> Marcus have you ever smoked PCP? not yet I have uh, some I'm planning to I don't I hope that's true actually I don't don't smoke PCP <laughs> I, okay. I wouldn't recommend I would spend all that money on it I was in New Jersey this weekend and, and that's where the artifacts are from and they, they smoke PCP do they, or is it just Tame One? I've I just, feel like Tame I One was the drug I think it's addict. probably just Tame One. But our friend friend of the show and, and soon-to-be guest, Shaka King, mm -hmm. uh, has pointed out that most great rappers, except maybe Andre 3000, smoked dust in the 90s at least once. I would say so. And except, that, except like you said, most, so I'm not going to hold him to that. But Pharaoh Monch, given his asthma problems, I think he's the only rapper to not smoke anything, and he's one of the greatest. But I agree with Shaka's statement, though. Yeah, I mean, I think Pharaoh Monch probably smoked PCP once. Even with asthma. I knew lots yeah. of people that smoked because of asthma. Oh, okay. But we were, we were about to start talking about uh, Blade Runner 2049. Right. Yeah. That's a movie that came out this weekend. 
Um, everyone was saying that it was going to be the biggest movie. It had like a slightly disappointing box office weekend. Oh, did it? I didn't. Yeah, know it, I mean, that. I it didn't. Not surprised. Yeah, I'm not either. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't hit. They thought it was going to be like a 50, 60, and it hit 20, which mm. is still like amazing. Sure. If my movie that I made days. did 20 million, I would be super fine with it. But I thought I thought I was going to hate it. I thought so too. I thought you thought I was going to hate it. I, well, I thought we were all going to hate it. No, yeah. I, I thought it was going to hate it. Yeah. Um, I, I know. I know you were reticent. I'm surprised you saw it because last week when we talked, you were you were hesitant to see I, it. I was very hesitant. I just, you know, I felt like so burned on stuff like uh, Alien Covenant recently. Films like that where it's just, Tron, I don't want to go through that again for a film that I really care about. Sure. And then like. I heard from enough people that I sort of trusted that like, hey, you should see this, that I said like, okay, I'll give it a chance. What impressed me, I think like it's not a masterpiece. I think people who are like, very eager to call it a masterpiece and it's it's not. It's people want masterpieces very so bad. Flawed. People, people want masterpieces, of course, but like uh, I thought it actually had like a story worth telling, which kind of yeah. like surprised me because like all the trailers and things sort of focused on the visuals like, hey, look, Harrison Ford's back, we're going to get this tone right, it's going to have the style, like, I thought it was just going to be, like, you know, maybe, like, a half-hearted uh, redo of the first film, just, you know, as yeah. an exercise in tone and style, but I was like, this story is actually compelling, like, I care about this mystery, and it's interesting in its themes, and I thought, like, actually, that was kind of the... Yeah, it took more of a Fury Road approach mm -hmm. than uh, the Force Awakens approach. Sure, exactly, because oh. it felt like, yeah, this yeah. is the story, like, 30 years from now and stuff has happened in between and like you know that there's new ideas and elements yeah. introduced into this world I thought that was really good uh, I like for me though I, I thought like it could have used more I, I don't know like heart is sort of the I, thing I was yeah missing. I mean I, um, I have I have some observations and thoughts okay. I just want to say the movie I was talking about was called Franklin we talked okay. about it on the show before it's Ryan Ryan Felipe it's like an ensemble piece that sort of takes place in an alternate universe but also takes place in the regular world. Okay. And it's kind of bizarrely delicious. All right, I'll have to think what the film was that I was thinking of before. But it, it might not be Franklin. It might be so. Franklin, you know? Um, but so w one thing that I really liked about Blade Runner 2049 was was the score and okay. how, how Hans mm -hmm. Zimmer and was able to use, you know, the cues from Vangelis' yeah. score but also do his own thing. He didn't overdo it, which yeah. I, I liked. Uh, I think he came in fairly late, right? He yeah, was... Dennis Villeneuve's uh, go-to guy, mm -hmm. he was replaced. Which is sort of too bad, because like, the thing I liked most about Arrival was Only the thing soundtrack. I liked about uh, it. Just the but, you know, I, I thought it worked, the soundtrack uh, for, for Blade Runner 2049. I liked that it, you know, it did kind of keep it low-key and stayed sort of mostly faithful to what had come before you know it could fit with that but still built on it and uh, yeah, that, that's yeah. what I was trying to jump in earlier with is that I got plenty to say I could say a lot mm -hmm. but at the end of the day it comes out yeah it was fine but the best thing about Blade Runner is that we take all the other you brought up Force Awakens Star Wars Alien especially the prequels that came out after the fact are so much different Whereas this, it kept the tone of Blade Runner very, very much. And that's hard to do because, for example, when you watch, like, the first three Star Wars films, mm -hmm. which is four, five, and six, Darth Vader is just this ultimate badass, like, guy. 
but in terms of like his fighting ability, he's very mo- he's very like yeah, he's restricted. Like, then when you watch the prequels, yeah. everyone is doing triple backflips yeah. in the air and doing all, and it just doesn't add up. It's like, well, how come like? Or then when you see Yoda fight in the prequel or the whatever, oh, it, it, it's just too updated. Yeah, he's nasty. Yeah, yeah. whereas but it like, doesn't, it's not real. Exactly. So like in Blade Runner, like things are rainy it's the same like you could it's it's the same cinematic universe but then there's an awesome seamless transition to like oh we're out in the desert and we're in this new yeah. era it opens the world up which, which yeah exactly it's, it's, it's slowly, slowly. It's, it's able yeah. to do like what it's able to tell yeah it's like what if what Blade Runner would look like with today's technology I do want to say and it's something to piggyback on something you said the last time you were on the show was that was that we're, we're so spoiled by special effects now that we that we don't ever stop to think about how remarkable things are. And I think, say what you will about Blade Runner 2049, the effects, I think, they did some things that, yeah. that I think are like, were yeah. awe-inspiring to the level of like Jurassic Park or The Matrix or maybe even Terminator 2. Are you like, talking about the, I'm not gonna say, the reemergence of a certain character towards the end of the movie? That was really, insane. Yeah, that, 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 that was insane. Me, that yeah. wasn't, think, but, that, but, but it had already blown, it, it had already with, with just like its use of like, there were there were scenes of photography that were clearly going over created landscapes that looked so beautiful. And there's that love scene, that love making scene yep, yep. that was just so bizarrely I really, I really great. Like that scene, like it yeah. was. I think you could tell it was probably inspired by the movie Her. The a thousand Jones percent. Film, just took like, it a step further. Sure. How it did it visually, like that felt very fresh. Seeing like that interlocking hands, you know. So you yeah. have like. 20 fingers going around his head stuff yeah. like that you know that was very and, striking and again the music I, made it work very well yeah. too for, for and I, I love that actress the blonde actress because mm-hmm. she was in Always Shine which was a movie from last year that I really loved I thought that, like for the most part the cast was pretty strong uh, yes I, I liked a lot of the performances maybe not all but like well uh, let's talk <laughs> about the elephant in the room because I just want to say so I really thought that uh, that Sylvia Hoke's character who played Love the, the bad replicant right they could have. I thought they should have fleshed her out and put Jared Leto's character into her. If, yeah, I, I if think she, that's if right, those two like, characters were one character, it mm. would have been a home run. Especially because Jared Leto is just like he's like he's like the poor man's hipster Daniel Day Lewis, yeah, but without the without the talent. Sucked, yes, <laughs> I thought, yeah. yeah. Like every I, angel is super creepy. Like who yeah, the fuck are like you, Doctor Evil? And I just originally they wanted uh, David Bowie for that role, and I thought like maybe that kind of worked where he just has like this natural kind of like. Uh, presence I to love bring David in. Bowie, rest but, in like, peace, David Bowie. But the really character, I, there were a bunch of actually like little characters or beats that I thought like you could cut this whole thing out. Like I thought, like I, you know, we were talking before about how not enough films are slow or take their time. I thought this took maybe a little bit too much time because like at a certain point, it sort of felt like it was repeating itself. Like you could have made a version of this exact same story that still felt slow and contemplative like the first film that's under two hours yeah. or like a little over two hours because like like I felt like there were, there were too some many pacing. scenes that kind of explained something I that checked. like oh I already got that like a I th- while ago I think, yeah. I think the problem is is that not everybody you know there, there's a shirt making its round on meme twitter that like there was this math teacher wearing wearing a shirt that said that there's two types of people in this world uh, people that can extrapolate data from missing data sets and that's just the shirt and there's plenty of people who don't understand what that shirt is saying mm-hmm. where if you didn't get it stupid people there are people that can extrapolate data from from data sets and people who can't and people who see that shirt and can't make the extrapolation are the people who can't 
So I think there are people that, unfortunately, so many people need stuff spoon-fed to them. But however, to talk about, um, it, it felt like some of the parts were side quests in video games. Yeah, yeah, some parts like you know, one is you have to go to the, or like you know, there's a scene where they go to like a, a, a character from the first film, and it, you know, to me, it just felt like fan service. Like no, oh, that like was that's, awesome. Yeah, that was I, awesome. I honestly I, like I, that. I couldn't just disagree with you like more. A nice little, that made me so happy because it's a couple. It's like two minutes, just like boom. And that's then two that's minutes. It. I like it. Look here. Here's the thing. All right, but, here's the thing. Edward James almost doesn't count. Okay. All right. I like it, but like, you, wait a minute. You like, he's by that way too fast. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you know, but like, he understands is, the pun. They they do okay, lots of okay, look. Right. Puns were invented in Canada, bro. Were they? Yeah, man. Oh, okay. Wait, <laughs> he told me that. But. What accent was that? <laughs> That's French Canadian, man. Said, oh, all right. <laughs> Let's have some Labatt's blue, man. Okay. But like, I, I like they were rough edges. I, I think no like, question. Yeah, like that's. I don't like. I was thinking a little bit about like just like in general. I, I don't really like Denis Villeneuve, and I, I think like I'm sort of skeptical that like he cares about his characters or people. Like I feel like he's making like very stylish choices. Like he's a very good sure. stylist. And I think like he's not really risking anything artistically. I find like I I think like a lot of great art. You know, you sort of have to risk embarrassment. If like I was thinking watching uh, Blade Runner 2049 of the, again I, I think I mentioned it the last episode the line from uh, Song to Song where Rooney Mara says like I, oh, I, I didn't know I had a soul like I thought it was embarrassing like you know the original Blade Runner you know Rutger Hauer running around with the dub in his underwear like that could have been really embarrassing but you yeah. feel like you know never mind the philosophy never mind the visuals like that's a film opening its chest to see, let you see it's beating hard like it's so human yeah, this, like when he says like I want more life you know you can feel that it's this movie really was, this moving. movie was a little afraid to show some yeah. of its emotional heart and when they did like with Joy mm-hmm. and and Ryan Gosling's character when he did like uh, that was the stuff I liked and yeah. it, it didn't happen enough no and no. I do I do agree with you I also think um that yeah I, yeah I think it's like it's like weird because it's like not willing to take a risk but making a 151 million dollar Blade Runner sequel is pretty risky yeah no I but I I I totally hear uh, what you're saying I financially risky but maybe not artistically like it's uh, I know like no they did they uh, did something that I thought that they thought mm -hmm. they could have really avoided yeah and that was have Harrison Ford in the movie (laughs) I'm sorry yep it was it was pointless to me you almost didn't if, if that makes it pointless though then there's a lot of backwards domino effect where certain things about it wouldn't feel pointless too then you could have also had more of the character too because like so much of uh, Ryan Gosling's character's arc revolves around like doing this thing for him <laughs> like he's almost like you know uh, the when people say oh Blade Runner maybe it should have been from the Rutger Hauer's character perspective like that kind of is what uh, Blade Runner 2049 sort of pretty much like, is like you know it's all about him making this I, I don't want to spoil it's it but like you know, like it, it's him making the sacrifice for you know this person. Well, uh, you, maybe you saying that reminds yeah. me of when I watched one of the three short films, specifically the Batista one. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this could be a really cool like ninety-minute movie, like yeah. a replicant who's like not even trying to really hurt anybody. You know what I'm right. saying? Like he does happen to be an intimidating guy, and when it comes time, you know, time to throw hands, yeah, like he'll destroy some shit. Yeah, but can, he wants to be left alone. And I remember seeing that short. I was like, no, make that into can, like a ninety. Minute yeah, movie. can we just stop for a second to Absolutely. say that that Blade Runner twenty forty nine is Bautista's 
masterstroke of dramatic acting at this point. Yes. It was nuanced it's good. and silent and, and, it is and very good. Because, you know, I got to say, too, to take it to, like, the whole pro wrestler turned actor thing, a lot of, like, even The Rock, and this is no hate on The Rock because he's great, but he coasts on his charisma. He's he's The Rock in every movie. Hulk yeah. Hogan, well, I'm not even going to talk about that guy. Roddy Piper is another guy. He's the crazy Roddy Piper guy in every, in every movie. Whereas Batista... He was given, not he was not Batista in this movie. It, it, g- given his bulk, given his, you know, like, everything, like, they, like, you, you forgot how big of a guy he was at a certain point and just focus on the acting. Like, there's a scene... Where he knows someone is in his apartment, and it's like he's accepted the fact, like, well, this is gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there, there's a lot of them, um, and only in a few, a few short minutes. You know? Um, I thought he, I was, I was really impressed with the teeth of his yeah. performance in that movie. I, I like just the way he delivers. Like, I'm a farmer. Like, yeah. he's like, I want to leave all that behind me. Like, yeah. I, I just want to live a simple life. Yeah. You know, a human life, but a simple one. You know? Have either of yeah. you seen uh, Wrong Side of Town? No, no, it's it's a it's a action film. It's Batista and Rob Van Dam, and Batista is really good in that movie. And it's similar. He's in it more than he is in Blade Runner, but I highly recommend I both of you check that. And if you want, I have Academy. Scre- I have an acad- good quality Academy screener of it. Where up until Wrong Side of Town, I was like, this is Batista's best stuff. But Blade Runner by far is no question. Did, yeah, I mean, clearly he's his interest is to have a, a career with teeth because he he did not float. He did. Yeah, that was, a, that was an actor's performance. Sure. The whole thing, like when you cast a pro wrestler, you know, in a movie, Ox Baker and Escape from New York, Kevin Nash and anything he's been in, it's the size. It's like, we need a heavy and we need a legitimate, like, heavy. And that was totally thrown out the window with Blade Runner. Like, they could have easily gotten, like, whoever to act that way. But then Denis Villeneuve had faith in this yeah. guy. Based on, I mean, like, as far as acting, because by the time they were making that movie, the second Guardians of the Galaxy hadn't been out. So there wasn't too much I don't think he even had to, to sink his teeth into, like, hey, can this guy really act? You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah Pro- props I, to Batista. Yeah, no, seriously. And I also want to say uh, the, the actresses in Blade Runner 2049, all of them knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin Wright was so good. Yeah, well, she's clutch. She's yeah, always she's, she's she, clutch. The actress who played the hologram Joy. Oh my god! I, I thought she was really fantastic. Lady. And Carla Yuri, who is who plays a doc, like the doctor scientist character, who was the star of the fantastic German film Wetlands, mm-hmm. uh, which was mm-hmm. like it's like a it's a it's a Bildungsroman uh, hidden in a gross-out comedy. Well, have you read the novel? No, uh, I I would. Have you I seen like the movie? The, yeah, I, I seen it after I read the novel, and I really liked the novel. So, like, the movie was a little bit of a, a little bit of a letdown, but like the acting was, was strong. I thought. Yeah, I, I thought it was yeah. really impressive that they were able to trick you into a very emotionally deep story. Yeah. Inside a film about a girl who has to go to the hospital because she cuts her ass open trying to trying to do a sure. wax job. Right. You know. Nice. <laughs> Say it, no more. I think like no, it's a, it's I a mean, really good movie. Novel really good. It's like it's so internal that kind of story. Sure. Uh, that like you're kind of there in the hospital bed with her as she's kind of recounting this and thinking back. Like it, it makes it sort of a different experience that's kind of hard to translate to film. But uh, right. on a very internal novels, they're always kind of hard to adapt. I, I find. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta like do weird shit like Cronenberg's Breakfast, not Breakfast of Champions. Uh, no, uh, naked lunch. Naked lunch yeah. Right, yeah. Somehow, I, I this is well, the only time in the history of the world where Kurt Vonnegut has been compared to William S. Burroughs. <laughs> I mean, what's kind of brilliant about Naked Lunch is it's 
it manages to be sort of like a biography of Burroughs yeah. while using his, his literature to kind of expound on that. Like I, I think like sometimes it's a much better approach for adapting like an author's life who you know like I, I really like uh, Paul Schrader's Mishima film because it kind of knows how to integrate yeah. You right, know, the, no. the work of the artist with their their biography. It's very yeah. smart. Think, it's also yeah. it, it's on drugs, just like William Burroughs was during the time that right. Naked Lunch takes place. It's a very high, which is which is great, which is an interesting approach. And yeah, I mean, done. well, and, except Mishima. Yeah, I mean, and also like William Burroughs was a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's just true. Yeah. He was an incredible writer, incredible yeah. writer, but but a real a real piece of shit. And I thought I thought Cronenberg did a great job of showing that. And I, I was when I found out there was a Naked Lunch movie, I was like, how? And then I saw it and I was like, oh, that's how. And I was really impressed. One thing that I also thought was really amazing about Blade Runner 2049 was out the gates it let you know that it was a violent movie. Because the violence more was... more violent than the first film. Oh, yeah, because yeah, the, the way, the way um, Love does that, does that uh, forensic scientist in, right, real quick, you're like, oh, shit, this is where it's going. Yeah. And then it, it, it like... Is super super dope. I'm gonna say that I think Blade Runner 2049 is easily a four out of five star movie. It's a very good sequel. Yeah, I think I'm a three and a half. I'm a three point five out of five. It, I started. Yeah, I, I it, it, it depends, I've been going up. Uh, when I first finished it yesterday, I was like, oh, this is a three. And then like mm-hmm. after lunch, I was like, oh, this is a three point five. And then I really thought about it for a while. I was like, all right, this is a four. And this morning, I almost took it to four point five, and I was like, no, no, not, not quite. But yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's four. For me, I mean, it, it kind of takes me back to like a time when like sequels were perfunctory. Like, you yeah. know, it's like, oh, like a film would just have a sequel that's like a continuation of the story. That's like, wow, that's where those characters are and where it goes. It's like a new story, <laughs> you know. Just now, now, so many sequels feel like, how can we squeeze this material and like squeeze the nostalgia and just yeah. Well, I, I want a more. It's, I want yeah. a moratorium for a little while. I want. I want some new stories. Even I just. Yeah, yeah. I just need a break. Because now we expect that, oh, there's going to be a sequel. There's going to be a reboot. There's there's three to six superhero movies a year. Yeah. And, I, you know, I would like, you know, just slow it down, baby. That's what I think. I, I agree. I, my one exception is I want that I want a wrong guy sequel. But other than that, I think you're a thousand percent right. Yeah, yeah I mean, I also want, like, a, a Fury Road sequel. Sure. But, you know, it's rare. That to be... Or really an interquel or prequel or sidequel. Yeah, I I'm was done. Just, I'm done with Max. Yeah. I want Furiosa. Yeah, I want the, the other Furiosa stuff. Film. Yeah. I almost. I there's. I too. The minute I saw that movie, I was like, I want more. But I also love the idea of like, it'd be fine if that. Like when I found that, uh, gosh, George uh, George Miller. For, at least I think that's still the case. He's not. He doesn't want to do anything more. I was like, you know what? I actually. I, I really really like that because it could just like be. Even though it's connected to previous stories, it's just it's on its own. We'll never get another one, and that's really great. So either way, I'm fine with it. But what they were talking about doing, uh, maybe they still are. But I think that, like <coughs> there's been talk about doing a Furiosa film without George Miller and without Charlize Theron, which I think would be a huge mistake. Wait, what? Oh, uh, like recasting Furiosa? Yeah, I mean, I think no. I think I think there are probably directors besides George Miller that could do an excellent job. I, but, I wouldn't recast her. But getting someone besides Char- what made her what made that performance good was that was Charlie's Theron. And I think yeah, that would be a great mistake. Like they're they're making a sequel to the girl with the dragon tattoo, but it's not really because there's a new actor playing Liz Salander. There's a new it's actor be playing third actress playing Liz yeah, Biff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, playing playing the dude and it's not David Fincher mm-hmm. and they're using they're you they're using one of the sequels written by 
the guy who started writing sequels after the first yeah. writer died um, passed away. Yeah. So I just think it's really strange. I mean, I, I didn't think they needed to make American movies because I thought the foreign films were pretty good. <laughs> I, and I liked Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I thought it would have been interesting I, I if they I like like the first one. adapted yeah. it to be in North America. Like, I almost thought it would be cool if, like, you know, he has to go up to, like, some isolated, like, uh, yeah. you know, place in, like, Long Island or maybe not Long Island. Like, what if you went to Canada even and it's, like, cold and snowed in and you kind of recreate that atmosphere but it's, like, a North American setting and no, kind of you're, redo certain things? Like, you could have made it just at least stand on its you're, own little You're more. speaking my language. Yeah. I actually like the David Fincher movie. Mm-hmm. I really do. But I just think, like, whatever. I got, you know, I when I was seeing all the different... Uh, the original, the Swedish girl with the dragon yeah. tattoos. I remember saying to myself, you know, they're probably going to remake this. This is before I knew anything. Yeah. And, you know, and the villain, I was like, I bet they're going to get someone like Stellan Skarsgård to be the villain. <laughs> yep. And then I saw the cast, I was like, oh! But there was no one around where I could be like, I said that, you know. But yeah, whatever. I called it. I called yeah. it Stellan. Yeah. Stellan's so. going to do it. Yeah. He's a good scumbag. Good actor. Good, good, uh, he's good at being a scumbag. I'm sorry. He, I'm sure he's not a scumbag. No, he seems like a really like, great guy. In yeah, yeah. He, yeah. And his children are his child. All of his children are pretty talented. Yeah, I feel like he's a very proud very father. Talented kids, especially these I days. Like, uh, I think it was Bill Skarsgård talking about it, but he said like how because Stellan Skarsgård like he ne- wouldn't make money always on films because he would pay to have like his whole family come with him so they could all see. But he got mad kids. Yeah. <laughs> so he would like uh, do these films and not really have much much money to show for it sometimes. But yeah. he sounds like a good good guy. But like *Nymphomaniac*, I was waiting for like the first like five minutes for him to go bad. It's like you wait the whole two yeah. weeks. Yeah, no spoil spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, he goes bad right at the end. Yes, um, sure. But but I how I feel is like *Nymphomaniac* one was amazing. It was it was like it was Lars von Trier's *American Pie*, and *Nymphomaniac* two was not so good and uh, this is why we have a podcast I together because I couldn't have described that better I remember the second one just dragged and dragged and I was like oh this isn't as good as the first one but to me the first one can't stand alone because you need them both and I was, and that's why I was more like, I disappointed I both on the same day so like to me they were just like one film like it didn't even really hmm. feel uh, like yeah. a separate thing And like, I did too but I really mm-hmm. felt that it, they're, they're, to me there was a there was a tonal shift well, almost then, like Kill Bill in Kill Bill sure. 2 by Minton Mayer and Mino I mean, there's a definite total shift when, like, the actress switches to the adult version, yes. like, uh, to yeah. Charlotte Gainsbourg. But, like, I kind of like how each segment, he kind of changes up the style, and it's almost like Lars Mature just, like, redoing his own career, like, yeah. going through all the different techniques and styles, and it kind of, like, to me, it was almost like stylistic overload, the way the character had, like, stimulation overload, and they sure. get, kind of, like, gets to you in the same way it gets to that character I thought that was really effective but. and also like you know mansplaining to women as presented by a man is that uh, would be the guy to do it too. yeah yeah uh, <laughs> mansplainer uh, that, that should be the title of his next film but. mansplainer or no that, that's more like a Michael Haneke title uh, mansplainer he has a movie coming out mansplainer. soon he does with uh, Julie Binoche Toby Jones the general oh man he's a famous French actor, the gentleman who was in Amour, the husband from Amour. Oh. Um, Wreck? What's it called? Or record something? The, the new one? Yeah, his, oh, it's not called Wreck. What am I talking Is about? Is it like but Happy End? Happy End. Yeah. I said Wreck because it, the, the poster looks like it's from the perspective of someone recording them with a camcorder, but much like the director we just came from seeing, Haneke Claire does something, I'm in. Because they, in my opinion, those are the two uh, best working filmmakers right now. That's that's funny because I was talking to Shaka, mm-hmm. and he was like, "It's Haneke and mm-hmm. what's the what's the name of the guy that did Okja? 
Yeah. Yeah, he's like those those are his two favorite. Awesome. So oh, there's okay. your Venn diagram is not that dissimilar. He also sure. he also fucks with Claire Denis Heavy too. Oh I know. That that's why we first time I met Shaga was at a screen uh our mutual friend, our unofficial first guest, Nova, uh, invited me out to his uh, newlyweeds at Film Forum, and then they had a Q&A across the street, and then somehow Claire Denis just came up, and then, like, that's that was, like, the... That's how we became buddies, so, yeah. I, um... I also... I, I always feel like I have to throw in, I think, Mike Lee and Olivia Sayas are also the other... Yeah. On, on my... It's Claire Denis, Haneke, Olivia Sayas, and uh, Mike no, Lee. No, yeah, I, I mean... others. I like top fives. Sure. But then once I say this one name, then, oh, what about him? What? So I like to keep it at, right. at... Just like I have four favorite albums, I don't have five. Just because when you have that extra one, then it just... It's like that little string that just... See, I, 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 come, I come from New York in basketball terminology, so I have five, but I always have a sixth man. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I'm going to adopt that, actually. I like that. Yeah, I'm going five back, yeah, sixth I'm, man. I'm doing you know? that. I'm doing that. Um... But also, like, I think that was also co-opted in top five. Well, not co-opted because Chris Rock is yeah, like Chris Rock. Chris, Chris Rock, Rock has a right. Knows his shit. When I used to, so <laughs> funny story. Seventeen years ago, I worked at a record store in Brooklyn Heights, and it had a sister record store in Park Slope, Brooklyn. And Chris Rock would show up when he was working in New York. He would show up every Sunday and chill, wearing a silly hat and sunglasses, and buy all the rap releases and whatever anyone said was good. And because his his music his music taste is real, he's got a very good music palette. And he would he came into our store a couple times, and I was like, "Yo, who's this dude wearing a cat in the hat hat and sunglasses?" And it was Chris Rock because the second he he like, "How much is this?" I was like, "What? Yeah. What? This is uh, you know?" And I, and then I would be like, "Look at this! Look at this! Look at this!" Which is making which is going back to his performance in uh, Prince Among Thieves. Which uh, Prince Paul's uh, hip hop opera that was never fully filmed but was made on. Shout out to Breezy Bruin. I was just hanging out with him a couple weeks ago, actually. Uh, Breezy, I think Breezy Bruin is one of the best rappers that no one's ever heard. One of the and most unorthodox. Unorthodox, yeah. So unorthodox that I only know of two rappers that I think really were able to develop their style from Breezy Bruin. Who I I have to know who. Uh, Despot. And oh. uh, and uh, oh, and wordplay from Blessed the Nation. Okay. Okay. Bo- both both I could tell were took on that compound rhyme scheme of like yeah we don't we don't we don't necessarily rhyme sentences we we rhyme like everything and to also be on beat but come in like on the three almost like to be yeah. it's like off but still on beat like Wild Child is another one who I always Wild Child to me was. Like the West Coast breeze, just not as good, but still like the yeah. same rhyme style, same rhyme. I mean, the I'm fir- sorry, Martin. <laughs> Fascinated. No, yeah. The first. Also, Breezy Broom was a really nice guy. Not a, he used to work oh, at. He awesome. used to work at legendary rap store Fat Beats. Yes, he did. Um, he's and, a high school teacher, high school and, English teacher. Now. And, yeah, and a lot of people who worked there were jerks unless you had wax there to sell. Like I had, there were a couple people who worked there that didn't talk to me. Like I was a human being until I had a record that had on there on the wall that they were selling that I produced on. Oh wow, that's cool. Um, no, it's not. No, no, I'm talking about you. No, not that. I'm just saying like having a record on Fat Beats. Like at our age, our generation, like that. That. Yeah, that, no, that's the, a no, deal. that was that was my. Once I hit that, I was like, oh, I've hit my goal. I scratched on an album, on a single that was on a wall once, yeah. and then I I was starstruck. It's no, like, I you couldn't like, even see my, my name. You couldn't see my name anywhere, but I was like, oh, I'm on that record. Having a record on the wall of Fat Beats, if you were like a new, if you were a rap head, 
was everything. So when I hit that, I was like, oh, I hit my goals for my 20s when I was 22. Exactly. I was like, I need more goals. And I do. I have more goals now. I'm very, I'm very happy to say. That's but good. Breezy Bruin, he, I, I, I was actually, he was talking to some dudes about beats. And I was like, and, and I was like, oh, you know, if you don't mind, can I ask you, you know, you've done some beats where, like, I heard you sample stuff that had drums, but I didn't hear the drums. And he taught me about um, messing with the attack on, on samples that have drums in them. And then I, I, it, it changed my life. Because also he was really nice. And he was, the first, he was the first dude I was like, oh, this dude's one of the best. And nobody knows it. Sure. And I have some funny stories that I can say that I can't say on online. Fair enough. That, that are fun. Fair enough. Uh, do you like rap music? I, I don't listen to much. I mean, I, my uh, my father is a violin maker and my mother is a violinist, so it was like all classical in my house, which fucked up so my you music like, taste. you listen to Mary Benary? I No, I don't think she so. She was like the hip-hop violinist. The hip-hop violinist. No, that was her name. Oh, that the, was like, oh you're yeah, right. She it had an album called name. The Hip-Hop Violinist. Yeah. Uh, she played. She played on Kanye West's first record and a bunch of Kanye West singles. Can I? I'll, I'll tell you something. What's from a violin standpoint to get you? Actually, while you're here, uh, the red I'll, violin. I'll see you. There's a. There's a it's not rap music, but it's still hip hop music. There's a um, DJ named D Styles. He's from the Invisible Scratch Pickles. Oh, he's, he makes he's scratch dumb. albums. He's dumb. His good. main way. His main sampling. He samples super super dark violins and cellos and puts them over his own beats. So uh, I'll get you a US uh, um, a USB um, oh. drive of, of that. I think you'll dig his stuff. And that might be the uh, that might open the door. Because uh, he's very into violin sampling, no, but, there's, but there's, not just sampling. But he, he, he remanipulates. But there's also you know. an album called I think like Black Violin or something, that's just like the this like hip hop, rap, string, combo that's quite good, and the Kronos Quartet has been used in so many rap songs, mostly. I, I was gonna go on for seven minutes, but I chose. You could if you wanted I chose, to. I chose against it. Speaking <laughs> of like creating, um, right. I I saw it's not worth mentioning. It's worth mentioning. Uh, that was very good. You're 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 kind of a fucked up guy, but you are very talented. <laughs> well, thank you. I'll I'll take that. It's sure. a compliment. It's not an insult. I promise you. Okay. Um, so so what what made you want to tell that story? Uh, it's something that sort of heard from women I was close with right, uh, a about men times. being gross. Definitely, that's a big part of it, um, and just like in general, that kind of gap between, like when you're at that age, I think having a hard time distinguishing between love and sexuality, sure. and like not being entirely sure what you want, and maybe running into somebody who. Uh, might take advantage of that and you don't exactly get what you want out of it but um, you told it really well of, uh, like I, I try to be really true to what people have told me and I try right. to put like a lot of my own kind of anxieties and feelings into it because it's, yeah. it's a short about a, a young lady who's like a finger puppeteer right and then she has an experience with she's doing a birthday but it's also her birthday right yes yeah and um, the father of the kid uh, then has they they talk and stuff happens. Right. They uh, have sex together. Okay, I yeah. wasn't sure what you wanted. Yeah. 
and sure. and then you find out that it's not worth mentioning that she was a virgin, mm-hmm. and because you 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 find out through um, blood, right? Yes, that's that's how you find out. And I thought it was really well done because I you. was surprised because you tricked people into thinking that she wasn't a virgin. Well, I know too, like girls who would say like. Because, like, I think it, you know, it used to be different when you would sort of lie about, like, oh, no, I haven't slept any- with anyone. Now it's more common to kind of say, like, yeah, I slept with people. Like, what do you mean, no, I'm not a virgin? Like, that, I think that's much more common these days. Uh, maybe. That, that, that was the impression I had. You know, it's sort of uncool to <laughs> say you're a virgin, you know. You know, I, I, lost, I lost my virginity when I was 20 or 21, so I was mm-hmm. a late bloomer. And... I definitely, at the time, I was kind of like, oh, now, now I can I can have sex more if I want to, because people were putting this sort of quality to the virginity right. that wasn't necessarily there for me. Mm-hmm. It was just something that hadn't happened yet. Similar to like I hadn't eaten carrots until I was 20 years old. Sure. And and then I was like, oh, now I eat carrots. I wanted to you know, so being able to like not putting a value on having sex was was keeping me from exploring my sexuality which was something that I was interested in doing because pe- most people want to mm-hmm. figure out what their sexuality is and i mean part of exploring your sexuality means exploring things that you don't like often you sort of run into situations sure. where you're like oh like this isn't for me or like oh no like that's not something I found satisfying or, right. you know, like I, I realized like I, you know, maybe want more of a relationship or more yeah. things like that, you know, that's a part of it. I, I think that's a part of growing as a person It's to sort of work out what you like or don't like or uh, First, find out what you really yeah. want. Cause, For, uh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, 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 finish. Oh, please. Like, I, I think like, I don't know, maybe it's, it's a little bit different here than some other places, but I find like there's like a general kind of you know, even with people who are a little bit older, sort of a confusion between, like, sex and love and nudity, and, like, you know, those are all distinct things, and there's obviously overlap, there's the, the Venn diagram, but, right. like, you know, they are distinct, um, so, like, I, that's something I always found really just interesting, and, uh, you know, the strong personal feelings about... What do you have strong personal feelings about? Uh, love and sex yeah. and uh, naked people, I guess. Sure, apparently. I mean, yeah, that's... yeah, love, sex, and naked people. Yeah. Also, I thought the way you did the nudity was very classy. Yeah, uh, I had a hard time with the cinematographer because, like, in film school, you don't always get like paired with who you'd like. You sort of get stuck with people. And I remember he used to be like, uh, like, because she had a covering, obviously, when we were filming scenes. He's like, oh, like, oh, Martin. the, the the towel it's like in the shot I'm like well move the camera up (laughs) you know so I I don't know Um, yeah in general though that that was one I was pretty happy with Uh, I did a comedy after that that I had a much much harder time with and I don't like I don't want to throw it under the bus completely because like other people put a lot of work into it right you know I'm grateful for you know that it exists but like that was one I was less satisfied with and then uh, the actress in the not worth mentioning we did another film that was about 40 minutes long that was also stirred. it's like a little bit dark also drama but she's um, very talented so she was she's not a she wasn't an actress when I cast her she was in my film program actually in, in 
uh, documentary and she was going to be well I guess technically she was like the first AD on my film okay and when we were doing casting auditions I kind of kept running into like actresses who looked like actresses and talked like actresses and like I needed like I, I wanted to sort of put uh, cast somebody who you could believe as being maybe a little bit insecure you know who was physically she not sold uh, she sold it you know not like a, somebody who looks like a model necessarily you know she's pretty I, I think but like oh she's somebody very you could believe pretty. as being sort of insecure with herself and her body and um, so we were casting and her name was Rita, the actress, Rita Stein, and she did uh, the, the like readings for when we were doing the actors, and eventually it was sort of like, like I just wanted to cast her, which was kind of a, a no-no at the <laughs> at the film school I was at, like you were supposed to go through like the proper casting channels, so I kind of didn't tell anyone, but like it, it worked out so well that nobody said anything after, and now she's, uh, she's the star of a feature film called Wexer Plaza, which is just coming out, so it's really cool to see that she actually, uh, you know, now she is like the star of a feature film so I was really really happy with how that turned out and you know we're still close friends and it was good uh, yeah <laughs> so you're saying that you're responsible for her success no I'm saying that I'm uh, fucking with you <laughs> I'm very happy for her success yeah because I'm, she's a talented person and I was lucky you're to so literal minded it's very easy to fuck with you people I don't know I'm in some ways I'm very literal but I also feel like you know I like metaphor and subtext and like I like metafives <laughs> sure that's a metaphor plus one <laughs> you know like some, some people I find like you know they, they you know they'll be sarcastic or they'll, they, they won't be as literal but then like you know I watch a movie together and I'm like oh that was like really moving that this person said like I hate you but they really mean I love you like at the, at the end of uh, Fish Tank or something like that yeah. and then like you know the other person just like didn't get that at all <laughs> or, story in my life you know I work in a very literal minded field so yep. sometimes that bleeds out but then I see stuff or hear stuff in music or in a poem or something and I'm just like what are you talking about I'm like what are you talking about <laughs> right. so yeah I, I yeah. share your yeah. uh, so yeah. like I like um like I was thinking about Alejandro Jodorowsky. Like I, I don't know if you've seen his uh, recent films. I saw. Up till what's, I saw the Dream of Reality, Dance yeah, of Reality. Yeah, saw that, that was that was amazing. Yeah, I, I think they're incredible. Like his two recent films, because like they look so strange and outlandish and surreal, but the emotions are so authentic and personal. And like you can tell, I he's think just, he's like, hitting putting, his stride. Like, I think he he's is. hitting his stride now. I think these are his best films because like the like, other love, stuff was uh, more symbolic. And very magical, but now he's also yeah. I think he's matured. Well, and also just like the fact that they're removed from like the psychedelia of the seventies now. Like it, it feels like okay, this is the artist he always was, and now he can kind of breathe, and he's had time to like mature and really, like you know, he's not interested in kind of the like what's hip or what's the scene. Like he's just being really hip, personal, and he's just going to throw himself into this film completely. Because also, you know, what's hip. Alejandro Hodorowski. <laughs> sure, of that's course. just always going to be right. him. But like uh, that dude did the Incal like thirty years ago, and that's still one of the best that's comic my books. Favorite. I love his comic books, the Meta Barons. It's yeah. like my favorite thing. But uh, well, like, unfortunately, uh, like for me, I love the Incal the best because of Moebius. Mm-hmm. But the Meta Barons, the writing is insane. The, the writing is it's like the best space opera ever. 
like I, I think it's it's better than Star Wars even if you just like read what's on the page yeah. it's so good it's so incredible Dude. and like his passion like as weird as this stuff can be like I think like first of all he's got one of the best eyes in cinema like right. there's people who get like credit for being like oh he's like Alejandro Jodorowsky because he does something weird but like Jodorowsky it's so authentic and well shot and like you know in the Jodorowsky's doing documentary when he's saying like movies have heart have yeah. mind have power you know like I, well, I don't he's know a magician I've ever seen somebody speak like that passionately about film you know so like I, I love seeing artists like that like it, you know the, the it's not just like hey look at this weird shit like right. it, you know it, it means something when I see it so like I well because you I have a non-literal side to you, I guess I, I, yeah I yeah. know you can you can separate you could just say Alejandro Hodorowski the playwright sure you could say Otto, Alejandro Hodorowski the, the comic book writer, yeah. Hodorowski, the filmmaker, mm-hmm. Hodorowski, the tarot card creator, mm-hmm. like, and all of those, he's he's one of the top of the field. So to be so brilliant in all of those things is really impressive. Also, did you ever read Moebius and uh, Stanley's uh, Galactus Silver oh, Surfer? Oh, the Silver Surfer, the, uh, gorgeous. I, yeah. I really like four, that one. Four yeah. colors. The, he limited Moebius to four colors. I say Moebius because Al Rondo Hodorowsky says Moebius. I am Moebius. In 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 Hodorowsky's like, doom. Uh, All right, hey hey Marcus, how you doing? Chilling. I don't read comics. Oh, right. I used to collect card the comic card the Marvel cards. Yeah, I love Marvel cards. Yeah, those were nice. Yeah, I'm also someone who might be blasphemous. Well, it's blasphemous to people who don't think for like five minutes, but it's like. Yeah, the fuck holy you, mountain. you non-thinkers, <laughs> oh, motherfuckers. Like, the Holy Mountain, El Topo fuck stuff. Fuck you. Like, I get, I get it, but I've never been... Those were... No offense. They just... The older I got, the more goofy they, they kind of were to me. So now, also, the colors... The, like, now take, I love his movies you, do now. Do you take LSD? No. Yeah, I mean, if, like, I feel like Holy Mountain is much better if you take an LSD in your life. I don't know. I, I mean, I, like, I, it seems like a movie that, like, it's like having LSD without even... <laughs> No, I'm not saying taking LSD and watching Holy Mountain. I'm saying having LSD in your history, in your bloodstream, helps in appreciation. My uh, DJ Snafu's mother, Elaine Grove, who was in Liquid Sky. Oh, no way. Yeah, she she plays Elaine uh, in Liquid Sky. Uh, There's a song in... What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was... She's blowing my mind. Yeah, no, she's, she's, she's an incredible actress. She was actually in, um, she was going to be in, oh, what's the Woody Allen movie that everyone loves? Harris? No, 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 Danny Hall. Danny Hall. Yeah, yeah. Or she, Danny Hall, whatever. Danny Hall. No, she, she, was in a, she was in a couple scenes in Annie Hall that were deleted. Wow. And wow. she was, she was in. like half of Annie Hall was like deleted. Yeah. yeah it's, and she. one of Jeff Goldblum's first roles. He's like a party entourage guy in Paul Simon's entourage. She, she, she was, she was invited to be in Holy Mountain. Okay. But when that's why I'm that's why I'm bringing this up. Right. But when she found out that um, what entailed was a month retreat of doing LSD before doing the movie, she was like, "No, I'm good. No, no, thank you." <laughs> well, it was like uh, George Harrison was originally supposed to play like the Jesus character, but he dropped out because he didn't want to show his like asshole. Yeah. On screen, and, like, I don't want to show my asshole. <laughs> but on that was like either. the thing that like Yodorowsky wouldn't bend on. He's like. I'm great with everything, with all this stuff, but like, can, can you not have me show my asshole? He's like, no, you're out. Like, it's yeah, <laughs> like, that's a hard line. Just like not compromising yeah. on the asshole shot. <laughs> Look, I get it. Look, it, I, you know, we show so much female nudity. Sure. You know, why not show an asshole from time? I'm not going to show my asshole. 
That's you know, if you ever invited me to be in one of your films, Martin, which I'd love to do, okay. I'm a very talented actor. Um, I wouldn't show my asshole in your movie. The the All nudity right. in uh, Let the Sunshine In was awesome. It was tasteful, but very sexy and sensual. Yeah, the film. But I think sometimes you got to leave it up to a woman the to, film, to do that. Honestly, the film stars with a very beautiful Juliette Binoche, topless. Oh yeah. And I was and and Marcus actually was like, oh, that's great. That's what he audibly said. When the movie started, I did. He, that he, was a good impression of me. Most people, most people don't can't do an impression of me very like, good. I'll do. Um, like I know, just learning about like nude photography. Like a lot of the best nude photographers, like uh, are uh, gay men because, like, I think they can sort of detach the They understand the physique, just, but like, not even detach. But sure, but also know what they like in 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 a man's physique and just highlight that. Oh, like in so, a woman's physique, like shooting or women, in a woman. Oh, know, oh women. Like, yeah, that too. Yes, yes. Like I think. Oh, um, I see. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I think I being being able to take out the desire yes, allows you to yes. to show a different sort of thing. But but I want to. I don't think I'm not sure you've seen this movie, Martin. So forgive me for a second. Speaking of Juliette Binoche, yesterday you told me of a film called Slack Bay. Hell yeah! Also called known as Malut in France, and you're like, this is the movie, I've, the best movie I've seen all year. So I respect Marcus's taste enough that if he tells me that a movie's the best movie he's seen all year, which is which is a year that has a Claire Denis movie. A, a Todd Haynes, a movie, Todd Haynes movie, movie, a Terrence Malick a movie, Martel. a Lucretia Martel, um, a what's his face, um, Link Ladder, because you like the yeah. ladder, Link Ladder. I do like the ladder, Link Ladder, I, and I, I got to jump into, and I was very because I knew, not just Scott, but a lot of people would kind of like take that, the, you know what I mean, that 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 recommendation. But I intentionally true use the words my personal because I didn't want someone to think like. Because as it did, you said, when I say this is the best movie of the year versus this is my personal. Well, I understand. I understand when you say best, but you mean anecdotally. Yes. I don't. I understand. No, I'm just piggybacking off of other people who might seek it out because I said it, who don't necessarily know Bruno Dumont's films, like I've discovered you don't. I just want to be clear that you have to. One. I love the fact that Slack Bay would be someone's entry point into Bruno Dumont films, even though he doesn't do period stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Um, All I'm saying is, you said it was your favorite movie, so I was like, this is worth checking out. It definitely is. And I happened to have nothing to do this morning, so I watched it, because I woke up early. I was supposed to... Me and and the fonts, my fiancé, were supposed to get uh, lunch with some people, and then we decided against it. Mm -hmm. So I watched a movie. I watched this movie, and it's... uh, it's a period tale about 1910 in this part of France where the, where the river meets the beach. Mm-hmm. And uh, rich people go, they summer in this place. And people, a specific family. A, a specific on. family. But also, but I'm saying, well, no, because at the beginning of the movie, rich, rich people have been disappearing. Yes. Rich yeah, people have right, been summering right, right, yeah. and they've been disappearing and not necessarily part of this family. Sure, but then this family comes and they're really wonky because there's been a lot of inbreeding. So they're really weird, and there's this gigantic uh, uh, de- detective who's a very round, portly guy. Yeah, who's who like the sound effects are added. So when he moves, it's like pushing on a ball. Yeah, and they're trying to investigate what's going on. And then there's this family where their their whole job is just carrying rich people, <laughs> literally, and yeah. walking them across the water. Siri, like dead ass. Yeah, and then. And then, you know, you find out, spoilers, that 
they're a family of cannibals. Yeah, and it's super nonchalant too. Like how you find out they're cannibals is hella nonchalant. Oh, they're just chilling. And they're just chilling, they're, they're eating. Just having a meal. They're eating, and you look. Oh, that's a human foot. Hey, Martin, have you seen Little Kim Kim? No. Oh, the oh, it was the last thing. Little Kim Kim. What Lil about Kim Little Kim? Kim? Little Kim Kim. It was Bruno Dumont's. It was a mini series for French TV, but then it got repackaged as a movie. Right. It's like a three-hour movie. It's amazing. It's very very good. It's in the same style as Little Kim Kim, where just like crazy fucked up things just kind of get casual well that's yeah. just well that's Bruno Dumont's style in general Bruno yeah, Dumont yeah. and he also for those who don't know he's like in the last few films he's only started working with real actors since day one The Life of Jesus which is a movie that Eliza Hittman said influenced Beach Rats since 97 he's been working with non-professional actors only recently he hooked up with Juliet Binoche and they've been making magic together yeah so like and then so then you find out and then there's like this love story that's really intense and and then like some magical realism and in my head it was like uh like a willy wonka version of like (laughs) of like moonrise kingdom meets uh well i was gonna say um sweeney todd okay but but better but better than both movies right i'm not gonna say it's better than willy wonka because i think willy wonka is an excellent film but Moonrise Kingdom and Sweeney Todd, I think, are both movies that could have been better. But this movie, the, the, the cinematography, the photography in this film is outstanding. There's all these wide shots of, of the French of the French beaches and shit. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's really dope. I don't know if it's my favorite movie of the year, mm-hmm. but it was quite good. Yeah. I'm gonna have trouble figuring out my favorite of the year. I never have one. I always have, and I always have subcategories within subcategories. So, like, and that because that's just how my brain works. I'm already, I'm formulating my best of list. Yeah. I've only started seriously since September, and by December, you know, I'll have everything. I take little notes, moments, lines, and movies, performances, everything, and I get them all. You know, it's it's a very this, meticulous list. This was this was a solid four star movie. I may even I, say, I call it a four also. I yeah. may you know I, I'm, and I'm I'm still. You know, we just finished seeing Let the Sunshine In like an hour ago. Yeah. And the more I let it sink in, the more I'm like, oh, that was a good fucking movie. Sure. Absolutely. That, yeah. That's a, that's a four for me. And whether it goes up or not. Uh, oh, here's one thing that, was, that, that I didn't love about Malut. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the music didn't work sometimes. Yeah, but I think it made up for there are so many moments, so many moments of just non-music. Yes. That it balanced out. But it just like had this classical thing that was weird. Yeah. You guys have seen the film The Goon, right? Yeah. Sure. Why well, th- yeah. the the first Goon is amazing because of its use of classical music. Most of its yeah. score is classical, like when they're having so to to juxtapose hockey with classical music really works. The action of it and like the the conceit and like the crescendos of of full action sports and classical music, which you know your your father is a luthier and your mother's a violin player, correct? Yeah. So I just learned that about forty five minutes ago about you <laughs> when you just shared it on this podcast. <laughs> but what? What's so funny? No, it, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Th- th- I'm not making any of this up. No, neither am I. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you are. It would be so weird if you made all this up. Like you're actually you're actually from Atlanta, <laughs> and, and, you, and you come here. I am from Georgia. Yeah, oh, that I'm, was a horrible accent. <laughs> well, yeah, I was. I was. It be, yeah, that sounds more like you're from Georgia, like next to Russia. Okay, hang on, the other Georgia. I'll do that. Hey, motherfucker, what's up, motherfucker? 
No, oh, you've been in New York for too long. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. you need to go home. You just picked a fight with the wrong motherfucker, motherfucker. There, wow. there. Wow. that was Australian. That sounded like an Australian doing a, a right. Bronx. Oh, shout out to Chopper. I shout out to Chopper. Uh, yo, I need to. Re- I'm yo, this voice. I want to rewatch Chopper because that's a good fucking movie. I, that's one of the last VHS cassettes I bought. Yeah, it's been a long time I always, since I saw Chopper. Movies like that, well Thanks made, well acted. I just like that Bronx. It's kind of like. I like Bronson better. They they they, they put don't. out they, they they put out what these people did. I was like, hey, what these guys did was messed up, but they're still supposed to be. Oh, he's kind of cool, and I just I always take issue with those kinds of movies. It's like, no, that, you're uh, actually no. Like, well, the the, thing, there, there's a, there's an element of institutionalized, it, it, you know, whatever. But I just think ultimately there is this element of like we're supposed to cheer for these guys, and I just have a you know. That's up to you. I don't cheer for them. I'm just I just enjoy the film. I Man, tell sort of like I think ridiculous. it's like Chopper, like when he's getting stabbed, and he's like, it's okay, and he starts like patting the guy in yeah. the back, like while he's still stabbing. Yeah. It's okay, I forgive or, you. You know, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's you're just watching I mean, someone who who just is a sociopath. Bronson, what's what's yeah, strange is like his actual crimes, like in in the real world, were like so small. Oh yeah, he and, just yeah. kept going back in. And, yeah, but, no, yeah. he never really went out. No, he would go in and out. He just he spent the majority, out. most yeah. of his life now, has been in prison more because than because he would do stuff in prison. But uh, can I tell an Australian joke? Sure. Okay, so this Australian moves to the moves moves to the Bronx on a Saturday. And then on a Sunday, he decides to go to the local bodega to buy some victuals. And these guys on the corner are like, hey, man, you come here to die? He's like, no, man, I came here yesterday. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why didn't the skeleton cross the road? Why? Because he didn't have any guts. All right, that's uh, Zebras in America. We love you. Good night. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's what I see. Make you smile. Some will say cheese in the picture, but something lovely. Others say cheese, and I'm thinking government subsidy. They needed something to eat. Running the street, getting it in. Brothers that's keeping that devilish grin. Others hope for mean stacks with the guns for them. Awesome Joker Steve's Jack, nigga, son of them. Frozen facade. Go to your guard. Wild schemers. Floating the tour in the house.